Perfect Stranglers contains graphic and explicit content suitable for mature listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Perfect Stranglers. I'm Kylie. And I'm Bree. And happy Halloween! Yes! I doubt anyone's doing anything because COVID cancels everything. Right? So, you're listening to our podcast. But guess what? It's decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. (laughs) Fucking decorative gourd season. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the grocery store. Okay, so Everly, like my daughter, has a thing about gourds. She's like always been fascinated by them. So they have the little baby gourds, you know, like the tiny ones that are like the size of your palm. Do you think she wants the little baby ones that she could like fit into her tiny little hands? No, she wants the giant, big ass, bumpy ones. And I have that thing where I'm... Like, I'm scared of bumps. Yeah. (sighs) Like, I get get chills thinking about it. That's gross. (laughs) Gross grosses me out. Yeah, um, I made spaghetti squash today. Super into the fall situation. Um, Yeah, loving it. So, happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you're staying safe. Probably staying inside, not doing much. Um, And if you are out, be safe. Don't be dumb for numerous reasons this year. Wear a mask. Uh, Wear a mask. Incorporate into your costume. Don't be stupid. It's easy. Wear a mask. It's not hard. I just, I can't with it. People don't wear a mask. Anyway, this isn't a political show. This is a true crime paranormal show. Wear a fucking mask. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we'll say on that. Um, Do you have any, uh, we're recording this before Halloween, so do you have any plans for Halloween, Brie, so far? Uh, Nope. Usually I do kind of the same thing every year. I just buy all the types of candy that are my favorite um what's your no black licorice okay yeah absolutely no black licorice no No candy corn right that's my girl that's disgusting right there is no no proper way to eat candy corn no proper way to eat black licorice fucking agree i think except to throw it straight in the trash right i think anthony likes black licorice everly's dad um i think he does I know. Okay, Nicole says candy Ready. corn rocks. Nicole, you're fired. No. No. This is not good. No. <laughs> no, you're not fired. This has been nice. <laughs> <laughs> we can look past that, okay? Okay, she says JK, she hates candy corn. Reese's cups are the best, right? Okay, so this is where people hate me. I don't like <laughs> Reese's cups. I don't like okay. Reese's pieces are okay. I don't like Reese's pups. Well, shit, what do you like? Listen, everyone, hear me out. Hear me? Okay. Bitch, you guys <laughs> listen to me, okay? <sighs> listen, I don't like, I like peanut butter out of a jar, okay? I don't like, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like Reese's Cups. I don't like Reese's Pieces. I don't like Snickers. I don't like Butterfinger. See, I don't, I don't like them. Okay, okay, here's what I like. Listen, look and listen, guys. This is what I like. I like a Heath bar. Fuck me up with a Heath bar, okay? Love a Heath bar. Love a Heath bar. I love the fruity ones. I like Skittles. I like Starbursts. I like Twisters. I like Twisters. Twizzlers. Pull and Peel. I like... Nerds Ropes? M&Ms are good. 
I like sour candies. I don't like nerds. I do like Kit Kats is like my favorite. Kit Kat and Heath Bar are my favorite Those candy bars. Good. So yeah, that's where I met on the, that's where I met on the Halloween candy. I just don't like anything with like peanuts or peanut butter in it. But yeah, I usually would go to a Halloween party, uh, but due to COVID, not sure if that's going to be happening, but you bet your sweet asses that I will be dressing up. Pretty sure I'm going to be doing the, um, what did I say in the last episode? Poison Ivy. Yes. <laughs> it's late. Poison Ivy. I, yeah, I think I'm going to do Poison Ivy. Um, Brie, do you dress up? Um, no, not unless I have an actual place to go, which I usually don't. I'm usually watching just, like, scary movies. Okay. Hocus Pocus. You gotta watch Hocus Pocus. Yes, 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 yes. I love Hocus Pocus. I, uh, I want to be a Sanderson sister. That would be really fun, too. Definitely. That'd be a great group costume. Yeah, so um, my friend Mitchell and he has a couple of friends. We're all like single parents and we call it the broken family barbecue. <laughs> but we talked <laughs> when we get together. Um, but we talked about doing a Hocus Pocus night, which I think would be super fun and have like the kids watch it and whatever. Yeah, that would um, be really cool. Yeah, I think that would be super fun. Um, I hate scary movies, so I won't be doing that. But Wait, what? I know. you Hocus I know, Pocus? I like Wait, do you think Hocus Pocus Not is scary? Hoc- no, Hocus Pocus okay. isn't scary, but as far as like horror movies okay. goes. Um, There's a horror movie yeah. that I really want to see. I've heard about it. I, I don't know the name of it, but somebody described it to me. They said it was, it's a movie, a horror movie that's based on like a Zoom call. So I don't know if it's streaming somewhere, but I'm going to look into that one. Uh, speaking of scary movies, um, I, yeah, I'm not into them, but I recently just did get into American Horror Story. So yes, I got into American Horror Story for a few reasons. One, Richard Ramirez. I watched season nine. Um, Richard Ramirez is like the serial killer I am absolutely fascinated with. Season nine. It's called 1984. Yeah, that's and the best the, one in my opinion. The actor that plays him is whew, hot. Okay, yeah, he is he hot, was, but he's not hot though. Actually, n- no, Richard Ramirez or the actor. Uh, Richard Ramirez. Oh no, he's yeah, we okay when we do the episode on him, which like should do a two parter, true crime and paranormal. Um. We'll talk more about that. But the season I'm on now, I'm watching because it has to do with the case I'm going to cover. Yeah. What is your case this week? Okay. So a little backstory here. Um, so I started watching season three. It's Coven. It's the witch one in New Orleans. And a character mm-hmm. in there is Madame Delphine LaLaurie. And I've been talking to a couple people about it. And they're like, yeah, it's like really good. The stuff that they showed in the show is really gross and stuff. And yes. I was like, no, that's Played like by Kathy eight- Bates. Yes, Kathy Bates. The incomparable Kathy Bates. Freaking queen. Freaking queen. Um, but I was like, yeah, the stuff that they showed in that in the opening scene or like the first episode yes. of the season it's is very based gripping. on it's it's based on real life. Like the stuff that they show is based on real life. Um, so we're gonna kinda dive into that today. So I'm going to warn everyone before I get into this that like the disclaimer that we have in front of the um before the podcast starts like really take that 
take that into consideration because this is probably going to be one of the grossest, most graphic things that I have ever read in my life. I listened to a podcast, um, actually, and that's why we drank and did it in episode 18, about 13 minutes in is when it starts. And I actually had to stop listening to it because it was so graphic. So, um, and then I like obviously listened to the rest of it, but so just keep that in mind. If you're get a little queasy about gory stuff, um, you might have to take a break, but this is such an interesting story. It actually happened in history. If you like American Horror Story, Madame LaLaurie was actually a real person and the stuff that they show, besides like the zombies and shit, um, spoiler alert, is based on, uh, on reality. So you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Okay. So Marie Delphine McCarthy, or McCarthy, um, she goes by both, was born on March 19th in 1787 in New Orleans, and she was one of five kids. Uh, her paternal grandfather uh, brought the family over from Ireland around 1730. Her mother was, okay, so there's a lot of French names in this, and I am far from able to speak French whatsoever. <laughs> so her mother's name was Marie-Jeanne L'Erable, okay. also known as uh, the widow Le Comte, which means the widow of the country, um, as her marriage to Louis B. McCarty was her second marriage, so she was a widow before that. Uh, both of Delphine's parents were super influ influential in the European Creole community in New Orleans. Her uncle and her cousin were actually both by marriage. Um, they were both actually politicians in the European Creole area of the South at that time. One was a governor and one was a mayor, so she always grew up in some type of influential family in like the socialite scene of the South and in New Orleans. Her childhood was right in the middle of the Haitian Revolution when that erupted in 1791. She was only four years old when this happened, but she's seen and heard a lot of stuff. And at that age, you're so like impressionable and stuff stays with, with you. And it's like nature versus nurture. How is she raised versus what is she just what's her personality without uh, nurture taking its effect. So I think part of her, right. she is kind of just like a fucked up woman, but I think her upbringing and yeah. what she saw in the middle of all of that definitely had a lot to do with what happens um, once we get more into the story. Um, but yeah, so she, that was right in the middle of her childhood. She was four years old. Um, and the Haitian Revolution uh, made slaveholders in southern U.S. and the Caribbean very afraid of resistance and rebellion among slaves. So during that time, slaves were rebelling basically against their slaveholders. So during this time, Delphine's uncle had been murdered in 1771 by his own slaves. And because of the rebellion, uh, many slaveholders uh, turned to disciplining slaves even more harshly out of fear, mutiny against the slaveholders. Uh, so it was a really big deal. So in New Orleans, after all of this happened and um, maybe like 10 years after that, once we again further get into the story, it is illegal. You could have slaves and you can discipline them, but it was illegal to mistreat them, which is a very blurred line. Definitely is. Yes. Yes. So well, like, yeah, where do you draw the line between disciplining and mistreatment? There's, yeah, it's... It would be hard to follow. I feel like, like there's also a lot of room. I feel like there would be a lot of room for interpretation, social influence. Yeah. yeah, interpretation and social influence. If you were higher up and if you were more into like the political scene, you could get away with more, kind of like people do nowadays. Um, right. So really, not great rules to live by. All the privileged people. So and 
Right, and I can imagine that growing up in an area with a lot of tension regarding slavery and the rebellion and punishment of slaves, along with just like having family in the politics at that time, did shape her thoughts and behavior. So as she um, got into her teen years, she was actually married. Her first marriage was on June 11th, 1800. Delphine, who was 13 years old at the time, and I'm going to refer to her as She was 13 years old when she got married? Yes, I'm going to refer to her... Yeah, I'm going to refer to her as LaLaurie from now on, just to make things okay. easier. So, LaLaurie, yeah. So, on June 11, 1800, LaLaurie married Don Ramon Lopez y Angulio, a high-ranking Spanish royal officer. Ooh. Um, in 1804, and I know, in 1804... He sounds sexy. Don Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> In 1804, Don Ramon had been appointed to the position of Consul General of Spain um, in the territory of New Orleans and was called to actually appear at a court of Spain. So while he was on his way to Madrid with Lalori, who was then actually pregnant with Don Ramon. Oh my gosh. With Don Ramon's kid, he suddenly. That's horrible. Right? Statutory. Yeah. He suddenly. I don't know how old he was, but she was like 13. So 34. Mm-hmm. So she was 17 at the time because that was in 1804. Okay. So he. While they were on the way to Madrid and she was pregnant, Don Ramon suddenly just died in Havana. And a few days after his death, Delphine gave birth to his daughter, Marie. Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angulio de la Candelaria. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. You ready? Okay, so the name was Marie Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angulio de la Candelaria. Wow. Holy crap. Could you imagine signing that signing that as your right. name constantly? Hell no. So now a widow, um, Lalori and her daughter returned back to New Orleans. So she then got married again in June 1808. She was then 21 years old, and she married Jean Blanc, a banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. Legislator, So all around just like kind of a high-profile smart dude yeah, in the area. So she's kind of doing well uh, for herself in the man department. She's She is. She's doing well for herself. So um, a lot of reports state that she was smart, she was witty, she was wealthy, she was beautiful, just like, kind of like every man's dream at that point, because there was nothing really, on the surface, nothing wrong with her. I mean, she had a kid, she was widowed, but I'm not sure that even having a kid would have been like a downfall back right, then. Not if she, not you know if she what was I mean? widowed. Right, not if she was widowed. If she was like j- jumping around from marriage to marriage not being widowed i would see that as more of like taboo back Mm -hmm. in the day i guess is what i'm trying to say um but yeah so this is her second marriage um during the marriage blanc bought a house at 409 royal street in new orleans for the family which became home as the villa blanc Uh, lalori had four children with blanc are you ready for these names please indulge me Girl, you are not ready for this. Okay, the names of the four children were Marie Louise Pauline, Louise Marie Laurie, Marie Louise Jean, or Jean, and Jean Pierre Pauline Blanc. Was there like, (laughs) were there not a lot of names to choose from back then, or what? I don't know. So we have a Mary Louise, Louise Mary, Mary Louise Jean. In Jean Pierre Pauline. Did did your mom ever like <laughs> confuse your siblings' names when she was mad? 
because my, my mom did that all, all the, time. the time. All the time and none of our names are the same. Could you right? imagine? Could you imagine having to like, one, be the mom or the parents trying to figure that out. Being any type of like, being any part of that family or close to that family trying to figure out who the hell you're talking exactly. about. I hope they had nicknames. I just, like, use some imagination. God, I hope so. <sighs> so, yeah, that was, like, <laughs> I was so excited to read that to you. Could you? I just, use your imagination, people. Um, so, anyway, uh, Jean Blanc died in 1816, and I could not find an exact cause of death, but she was 29 at the time of his death. So... It's been a few years. Um, on June 25th, 1825, she marries again. Uh, Delphine married her third, third husband. He was a physician. His name was Leonard, or I want to say it's Leonard, because that sounds <laughs> way more fancy. Uh, marries Leonard, Louis Nicholas LaLaurie. So that's where okay. she got the last name LaLaurie from and kept it. In 1831, and she bought the property in her own name, so the house she that she brought bought in her own name. No, um, he wasn't on the papers. No assistance from him. So she clearly had her own money. Um, again, she was well off. She was a socialite. She had um, children and family and had been widowed twice. But she was still high ranking in like the social scene mm -hmm. of the time. Um, so yeah, she had enough money to do this and enough, uh, credibility to be a woman at that time and buy her own house. And it was at 1140 Royal Street. And in 1832, when she was 45 years old, she had a two-story mansion built there. So she bought the land and then built the home. Um, and it was complete with an attached slave quarters. And she lived there with her third husband and two of her daughters while still maintaining her position, like I said, as a prominent and respected face of New Orleans society. So she, yeah, she's doing really, really well for herself and for her family. And at this time, she, there's pretty much no red flags. No one suspects anything of her. She has slaves. She's buying her own slaves at this point. And no one is thinking of her as anything other than a well-respected, well-put-together, socialite, ideal woman of the time. But shortly after the purchase of the mansion, the marriage showed like signs of trouble and LaLaurie actually filed for separation from her husband on November 16th, 1832, stating that he, quote, treated her in such a manner as to render their living condition insupportable, end quote. So, which were... I'm not quite sure what that would mean in the time, living together, um, rendering it insupportable, but I'm going to assume that they just didn't get along, um, which were claims that her son and two of her daughters by Jean Blanc confirmed. So the separation does not seem to have really been permanent though, because Dr. LaLaurie, her husband, uh, was present at the Royal Street House on April 10th, 1834, the day of the fire, um, which we will get to the day of the fire. So this is kind of like where the good stuff starts. So those are her marriages, kind of setting the land, like setting the scene for her as a person. Um, but Delphine kept slaves in her slave quarters between 1831 and 1834. So she would have been 44 to 47 years old at this time. Um, and there were a lot of stories about how she treated her slaves. Some people stating that she was courteous in public to um, other people's slaves and those of her own and conscious of um, 
the ones that I feel really bad saying this, conscious of the slaves that she owned, mm-hmm. um, conscious of their health. Um, but other people say that neighbors and bystanders seeing her out and about also said that her slaves looked, quote, singularly haggard and wretched. Oh. Yes. So um, in my research, a couple things. There are a lot of quotes that we will get to. So a lot of this was actually documented um, very, very well by a prominent sociologist of the time and by a lot of um, witness statements and reports, which I thought was really cool because you don't really get that back in the 1800s. A lot of like firsthand witness statements that made it into the newspapers of that time. So yeah. So the sociologist I was talking about, her name is Harriet Martineau. She was actually the world's first female sociologist. She I know, right? I thought it was super cool. So she visited New Orleans in 1836 and ended up writing about her visit, including observations and rumors about Madame LaLaurie and the treatment of her slaves. Um, The rumors of mistreatment were so, like, widespread throughout the city and common knowledge that a lawyer was actually sent to LaLaurie's mansion to remind her of the rules regarding treatment and, quote, upkeep of her slaves. Um, He... I know. He allegedly toured the mansion, took a peek around, talked to some people, and no mistreatment was found during his visit. So, I'm thinking she was probably hiding something. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes. It's um, kind of terrible that uh, that even needed to be said. I mean, right? obviously, it's terrible that they had slaves to begin with, but just that you have to be reminded of how to treat another human being. Right, and like I had mentioned previously, the rules on how to treat slaves were super blurred. Like, you could have them, you could discipline them, but you couldn't do certain things to mistreat them. So, where where do you kind of go from there, I guess, you know, on the rules? But I feel like there's, like, there's basic human, like, respect for human human life that you should, there's a line that you shouldn't cross. Right. Um, is she didn't really give a fuck about any of that. Apparently not. No. So another story told to Martineau was following the lawyer's visit. And it was told by a neighbor who witnessed a young girl about 8 to 12 years old was um, the age range that they gave. The girl was about 8 to 12 years old by the name of Leah. They witnessed, the neighbor witnessed this girl fall to her death from the roof of the mansion while trying to avoid punishment from LaLaurie, who is chasing after the girl with a whip. Oh my god. Now, Leah's body was buried on the mansion grounds in a very, very shallow grave. They later did find um, find the girl. They found her bones. Later, details were uncovered that the girl, Leah, was brushing LaLaurie's hair when she hit a snarl or a snag, which caused LaLaurie to freak out, grab a whip, and run after her to punish the girl. LaLaurie chased Leah off the roof of the building, causing her to fall to her death. Other stories include her cook chain to the kitchen, more on that later, um, and Lolori beating her daughters if they even attempted to feed the slaves. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So all of this was happening, kind of like the neighbors were rubbernecking, kind of seeing the stuff going on, there was chatter, but nothing was really confirmed like, or out in the open. Do you know how bad it probably had? Like, they treated slaves poorly back then and do you know like how bad it had to be for people to want to step in and be like 
you know, that might be a bit much, Madame LaLaurie. Right, and, like, could you imagine seeing this young girl just, like, running for her life because she's fearing for her life because she hit a snarl and you just see this girl run and jump off of a run, jump off of a building because she would rather jump off of a building than deal with whatever punishment she's going to get from Madame LaLaurie. That's terrible. Like, to choose to be that young and choosing to jump, because I'm assuming, like, what I picture is she was running and she didn't know where else to go and she's like i have to either stop and take the punishment or i have to jump and i would rather jump yeah you know yeah or maybe that you know who knows maybe that was lalori's plan maybe she was like you know what i'm just gonna run this bitch off of the edge of the building yeah maybe because then she can make it seem like an accident yep she's gonna i mean yeah i never thought about that she's gonna have to jump and that's just how it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. so um that incident the Leah jumping. I do, so we don't know if Leah was the actual name, but those who found her body and found the bones later named her Leah. So I don't know if it's in historical records that that was actually the girl's name or if they just named it, gave her a name because she deserves a name. Mm-hmm. But so that incident caused an investi- investigation into the treatment of her slaves. And she was found guilty this time of illegal cruelty and forced to forfeit nine of her slaves. So she had more slaves than that, but she was forced to force it that many. But here's the thing about that time in her family. Her family was well off. She had connections. She had family members who were part of um, the government at that time. And she was, she had money and people respected her. Even after that, people respected her and they were willing to help her. So even though she was found guilty, a relative of hers actually bought all the slaves and returned them to her. Oh, so it didn't give a, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter at all. Wow. Yeah. You can just do whatever you want if you have money and power. Absolutely. To this day, you can do whatever the fuck you want if you have money and power. So, um, going up to 1834, this is when the fire broke out that I had mentioned earlier. So, um, this is also when shit gets real. <laughs> so in 1834, a fire broke out of the mansion starting in the kitchen. Um, the neighbors who were like, I just picture this group of neighbors just kind of surrounding her, kind of hating this bitch. So wanting something bad to happen, you just like poking around, rubberneck and talking to each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the neighbors rushed over to help her pouring water on the flames and attempting to basically help the family evacuate. So, um, at this point, I believe still living there was Delphine LaLaurie, her husband, her son and two daughters, I believe, or who was living there at this point, and then the slaves. So the neighbors rushed over to help the family evacuate, but what first, like, struck them as being really weird, especially by 19th century, like, southern elite standards, was that the woman of the house, Madame LaLaurie, was frantically collecting her own jewels and furs without the aid of any of her slaves. She was basically getting her shit and packing up, not paying any attention to her family, to um, her slaves, not getting anyone to help her, just taking care of her own and trying to get the fuck out. Wow. Priorities. Priorities, right? Yeah. Um, So yeah, they thought that was really super weird, especially, like I said, by like Southern elite standards, how strange to have the woman of the house doing stuff on her own. 
Um, so when asked where her slaves were, she freaked out and basically told everyone to mind their own damn business and actually tried to block them from getting up into the um, attic. So it wasn't said if it was actually an attic or just like the uppermost floor because mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between being an like the top floor in an attic. Right. So there's like a little discrepancy there, but I'm just going to call it the attic. So upon being refused the keys by LaLaurie, the bystanders actually broke down the door to the slave quarters. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I know. Like, total mutiny on her. The neighbors yeah. were, like, taking care of business and trying to get the slaves out, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as the neighbors were um, trying to break down the doors... The neighbors got upstairs and were discovering what was in the attic. And as they were discovering what was in the attic or the slave quarters, the police and fire marshals also arrived. So when the um, police and fire marshals arrived, they went through the kitchen. And what they found first was the cook that I mentioned earlier. She was a 70-year-old woman who was clearly extremely malnourished and in very bad shape. And she was chained to the stove by her ankle. So the this woman survived, and she later said that she had set the fire to the house on purpose as a suicide attempt because she was terrified of being punished. She said, quote, she'd rather be dead than to be there for one more day. Oh, that's that had to be terrible. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. To rather die by fire, setting a house on fire, than to be around this woman and, this pe- and these people for one more day. Right. That's um, desperation right there. Yep. And so this woman also stated that the slaves have been taken up to the attic or uppermost room of the mansion, which is where the neighbors were stopped dead in their tracks and where the fire marshals went next. So what the neighbors and police found upstairs had, it's been a bit muddied throughout time just because of certain details and certain witness statements. But the things I'm about to lay out have been consistent with recounts of this case. Like, I've I've read a thesis paper on this whole situation and looked at a ton of information because it just seems so wild that it can't be true. This is something that Rob Zombie makes up and puts in his movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. But yeah, everything that I am about to lay out has been consistent through history and through research. Um, so let's get into what they found. So first off, they found all of the slaves. In the house, in the attic, except for one slave, which um, I'll talk to at the very, I'll talk about at the very end. Um, so they found all of the slaves in the attic, but the slaves have very, very clearly been tortured for long, extended periods of time. Um, as reported by New Orleans Bee, which was like a newspaper of the time, on April 11th, 1834, bystanders broke down the door to the slave quarters and found quote several. Some recounts say seven, some recounts say several, so I think it's several, Um, but other witnesses state that there was over a dozen slaves, more or less horribly mutated, suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other, uh, who claimed to have been imprisoned there for several months. Oh my god, how painful was that? Right? It reminds me of H.H. Holmes, where their limbs are stretched. Yes, exactly. Yep. So, over a dozen slaves in the attic, some were chained to makeshift operating tables, um, others that weren't chained to makeshift operating tables were chained to walls or um, into cages, all made for dogs. So the cages that they were in must have been pretty small 
Oh my god! Because the cages were made for dogs. Um, all of these people had been naked as well. Ugh. And they are all, quote, beaten, bloodied, and tortured within an inch of their lives. Oh my god. Just how horrific and, like, humiliating and painful and... Right. So, yeah, when they walked in, when, when these people walked into the room, they saw over a dozen slaves, naked, bloodied, tortured, some were in cages, some were on makeshift operating tables, some were chained to the walls, some were completely being, their bodies just stretched out. And the smell was so putrid and the sight Ew. was just so grotesque that people just started puking everywhere. Oh, I'll bet. Because there's probably like, it's probably no, smelled like no windows. death. <laughs> yeah, no windows. it was probably, obviously it was probably hot up there. I mean, it's Louisiana. Yeah, it's New Orleans. It's hot. There's probably like decaying flesh. Yeah. And, like, people probably had, like, infections. Like, infections stink. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I could, ugh, it makes me want to, like, gag thinking about it. Like, I have such a clear yeah. picture, and now I'm thinking of American Horror Story when they first show the attic. Whew, it gives me chills. Yes. It gives me chills. The guy, um, Bastion. Yes. Yes. Ooh, Ooh, I have chills. That's so freaky. That freaks me out. I have out. chills. Like a mother... I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. I have chills like a motherfucker right now. Um, I don't know how Nicole's going to sleep tonight. <laughs> um, She's just protected by her kitties. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what else they saw was there were human body parts scattered all around. There were human heads placed throughout the chambers in buckets randomly and on the floor randomly. Ew. Um, according to, na- to other newspaper reports, the victims were all naked and, quote, male slaves stark naked, chained to the wall, their eyes gouged out. Their fingernails Uh, pulled off by the root. Others had their joints skinned and festering. Great holes in their buttocks where flesh had been sliced away. Ah, no. (laughs) Take that in for a moment. Uh, Oh, my God. It was the word buttocks that makes it hilarious, Nicole. (laughs) So when I read stuff like this, I get, like, weirdly giggly because it makes me uncomfortable. So let's, oh, for let's, sure. Oh, so let's keep rolling. I get it. Um, what they all, so they found that they also saw mutilated sex change operations taking place on um, numerous oh people. So I would have to imagine that these people had more than one of these things happening to them at once. Right. Like they're being skinned and they're being experimented yes. on and they're being tortured. And- yep. So mutilated sex change oper- operations took place. Some were covered in honey and exposed to fire ants. Ugh. Um, yep. Inventive, yet very fucked up. Yep. So, um, some of them just had their genitals completely just sliced off, men or women, just sliced off, not a sex change, just gone. Others had their mouths shoved full of animal poop. No. And their mouths were sewn back shut. In some of these people, (laughs) their eyes were also gouged out. This is like saw. This is like, this is like hostile. This is. I told you, other people were suspended from their neck with their limbs stretched, like I had mentioned, or completely torn off, so limbless. Ugh, ugh, like stumps. Mm -hmm. One one woman was found to have her bones broken and bent completely backwards. So your joints (gasps) bent completely backwards. Her bones were successfully reset. 
in such a way that when laying face up, her limbs went the opposite way so that she resembled a crab. (laughs) Um, Other women had their stomachs sliced open and they were wrapped in their own intestines. The intestines were wrapped around their waist like a belt or thrown over their shoulders like a backpack type thing. And some of these women were still alive. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I found it super... I found it super no, interesting, disgusting, but interesting like, to... It's interesting that somebody could be living and have their guts on the outside and see it and, I mean, how long, you know what I mean? Like, how long did they live like that, you know? Yeah, so... I don't know. Um. So, yeah, the a belt made of intestines, backpack made of intestines. Another signed witness statement from the New Orleans advisor, a newspaper at the time, reported a man in in the dungeon or in the attic. So the man had a hole carved into his skull and his brain was visible. And it was a big hole, like the size of a fist. Madame LaLaurie would then grab a wooden dowel, uh, like a rickety wooden dowel, like stick thing, shove it into the open skull and repeatedly stir his brains. His Ew, body no. from head to foot was covered with scars and his is filled with worms. Oh, sick. Another signed witness statement showed that facial parts were cut off and re-sewn in different areas, like noses and ears removed and put on different areas of the body or the face, along with eyes being sewn shut. Um, oh, a woman had her back completely skinned to show all of the muscle and tissue and bone. And she was lying face down. Um, oh god just flayed hands were sewn to various parts of a person's body so they couldn't use their own hands so like they would shoot take your hands Ah. and sew it to you and then torture you so you couldn't move oh my god um a woman had her arms amputated and her skin was then peeled off of her in a circular pattern or a spiral pattern um to resemble a human caterpillar so it looked like her body had ridges oh yep and then a, a woman, the final one, is that her a woman had her face sliced and peeled back, the skin peeled back to resemble a gargoyle. Oh, God. <sighs> that one gets me. No, thank the you. The face stuff. Face stuff gets me. And if you've seen American Horror Story Season 3 of Coven, the camera goes right by this woman who has her face peeled back. Like, yep. 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 So this is yes. only, uh, so all of this like grotesque stuff really only happens in like, the first and second episode um, yeah, of it. Don't they, they sew um, different parts together? Yeah. Everything that you see. In that one too, yeah. Pretty much everything that you see in that actually happened. And yeah. like I've talked to a few people and they're like, yeah, it's really good. Like they do really crazy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's fact. And they're like, what? And I'm like, Madame LaLaurie was an actual human being who did that stuff. And they're like shocked. Yeah. I'm like, no, dude. She was fucked up. She was way ahead of her time. <laughs> like, you fucked up. So, upon discovering all of this stuff, um, some of these individuals were actually still alive, pleading to be killed. Some were unconscious oh, and others were dead. Um, and a lot of professionals and psychiatrists and historians have speculated over the years that the condition that she left these slaves in, specifically the men, um, she did this that because it had an element of sexual gratification for her. Wow. Yeah, dude. Could you imagine getting off on a gargoyle? <laughs> oh my god. So fucking insane and gross. Yeah. 
So those are the consistent ones that have been documented throughout time of like the crazy shit that happened. There was like other things too, but it didn't keep coming up in my research, so I just didn't add it. So mm-hmm. like as unbelievable as that scene was to like walk into, there are records and letters written years prior by Jean Bowes um, stating that Delphine had been brought before the criminal court for, quote, the barbarous treatment of her slaves, which I think is referring to when she was um, had to get rid of her nine slaves prior, which just gives more credibility to all of this happening. Um, but that was absolved. So, okay, so this happened. Okay, no. So this happened, but it was absolved for lack of accusers willing to testify that they had seen any beating of the slaves out of fear that she would beat them. So this was a second one, a second, um, time that she was tried for, um, treating her slaves poorly. So she had been convicted one time, and then this time she wasn't. She wasn't convicted because people were scared to testify against her because they were scared of her. Oh, jeez! Right. So in the book *Madame Lalaurie, Mistress of the Haunted House* by Carolyn Marlong, which I read and it's really fucking good, um, she presents all of the recorded statements, media claims, and like different articles regarding what was exactly found in the Lalaurie Mansion, and she points out where there's lines of fact and lines of just complete exaggeration by connecting prior accusations and concerns and like how much is accurate and how much is like a complete embellishment we're never really going to know because record keeping back then wasn't fantastic but like it's hard to deny it's it's kind of the same in the hh holmes case yeah it's just like hard to deny the multiple sources and eyewitness accounts and actual people putting written statements in the newspaper of that time, um, the accounts of, like, cruel and inhumane conditions that she literally left these people in alive, you know? Um, So so that was happening during the fire. So after the fire, LaLaurie did have one servant on her staff that I had mentioned prior um, that was loyal to her. We do know that for sure. Uh, We know this because during the whole chaos of the fire and what was discovered um, and the rubbernecking neighbors causing a ruckus, um, her enslaved coachman actually brought her carriage around. She stepped in it like nothing was happening. Like it was just a normal fucking Tuesday stepping into her carriage, like with complete and utter confidence is what people said. Wow. I know. Um, What a psychopath. Right? Absolutely. And it said that the mob that was watching the fire and seeing her get away they were absolutely stunned because no one was trying to arrest her um and then the angry people of new orleans tried to like desperately to hold the horses and snatch her from the carriage and all of this stuff and still the coachman just used his whip and plunged forward with the horses escaping the crowd and when the carriage guy came back after he took her um away to where she was going they actually this is sad they killed the horses. Oh. I know. Which is like... The horses didn't do I know, anything. which I feel like is like sadder than animal poop in a mouth and being sewn shut. Yeah. I know. No, I, I mean, kind of. I mean, kind I know. Like, I care about humans and I care about horses, but like, the slaves didn't do anything. The horses didn't do anything. But I just yeah. like animals, you know? Animal stuff. Makes me sad. Right. Yeah. No, I get yeah. that. Okay. Um, but from there, she hopped on a ship, and it had been, like, kind of a mystery as to where she exactly ended up until this random American poet by the name of William, what, what is it, William Cullen Bryant. He published a journal documenting meeting her, and he said, a pretty-looking French woman, uh, a quote, Madame LaLaurie, got on board, and he went on to, like, describe the crazy shit that had 
she'd been accused of because even he heard of it and that she had quote committed such horrible cruelties upon her slaves last winter in new orleans adding that um he knew that her home had caught fire and in attempts to extinguish the fire it was discovered that several slaves were confined some chained in painful postures and others horribly wounded and scarce alive um so like word got back to new york and shit about this woman of all of this stuff that she had done, which I think yeah. is so insane. Like, it blows my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, right. like, for a word to travel like that without cell phones, <laughs> it blows my mind. Um, yeah, definitely. Right? Uh, but for there, it was documented that she made it out of New York, and Louis, her husband, and her actually went to Paris. Her children stayed for extended periods of time with her in Paris, um, but Louis did get sick of her shit and moved to Havana with um, her kids actually ending up living in Paris with uh, Delphine LaLaurie for the remainder of the time. Um, she died in Paris on December 7th, 1849. She was 62 years old. Uh, so she never paid for her crimes? Nope, she never did. She just dipped off to Paris. And left. She never paid for her crimes. Wow. At all. Everyone knew about it. It was common knowledge. People knew that she was a shit person. Never got punished for it. She just did her shit, ducked out, said deuces bitches, left to Paris with her husband. Oh my god. I wonder if she did any killing and, you know, stuff like that in Paris. Okay, so <laughs> Elizabeth Bathory, which... Yes, um, I've heard of her. I've heard that her last name is, we're supposed to pronounce it Bowtry. Oh. Not I, Bathory. I've I know. not, I've I'll not heard ask, that. I'll have to ask Anthony about it because he told me about that. Anyway, so she was around, I believe, at the, let's see. So Elizabeth Bathory. Um, there are a lot of consistencies with what she did versus what LaLaurie did. Oh. Like a lot of consistencies, which is like super interesting. But yeah, so she died in Paris. No cause of death was indicated. However, we do know that she did have some random weird mystery illness that she did to write to her children about. So it's just assumed that she died of natural causes, whatever that illness was. Oh, huh. So after the fire, the mob actually completely tore down the house that she had built. And it has since been rebuilt on the same grounds. And obviously there are, of course, like many ghost stories, um, many stories of it being haunted. And you can actually take tours of the house because mm -hmm. it's right in the middle of the French Quarter. Nice. Oh, my God. I bet it's beautiful. That whole yeah. French Quarter is like the whole city, really. It's a very old city. It's super haunted. Yeah. So, like I said, she's often compared to Elizabeth Bathory, the blood countess. Mm -hmm. So, wait. Elizabeth Elizabeth Bathory, she, she, would, she was the lady who would um, bathe in virgin's blood, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so um, Madame LaLaurie is considered a serial killer, like one of the most prolific serial killers of her time. Mm -hmm. um, but Elizabeth Bathory killed over 600 women. So she is like the top main bitch serial killer. But yeah. Madame LaLaurie is very, very heavily compared to her. Mm -hmm. As far as like just the evilness, the crimes that she committed, the torture, it's just like the death count is where the huge discrepancy is of Elizabeth versus Delphine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to end this on a slightly positive note, um, a final fun fact, if you will, good old Nicholas Cage bought the LaLaurie mansion 
um, in 2007 for $3.45 million to get inspiration to write a horror novel. <laughs> he said the novel didn't get very far and he lost the house to foreclosure in 2009. And it is, uh, like I said, at 1140 Royal Street. It's a three-story mansion, six bedrooms, seven baths. 10,284 square feet, and you can find it on Zillow. Really? Yeah, so you can see the outside of it. Um, I did see pictures of the inside of it, but I totally forgot where I found it because I did a deep dive. Okay. But yeah. You know, that really sounds like a very Nick Cage thing to do. So, okay, so he had the mansion, and then two blocks down when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, no, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were still together, they also bought a New Orleans mansion like two blocks away from this. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and I believe that Beyonce and Jay-Z have a mansion in New Orleans as well. It's like a place to be. Hmm. But, like, Beyonce's family's, like, from there, so that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, well, she lived wow. in Houston. I don't want to upset anyone. She then lived in Houston, but her mom is from New Orleans, okay? <laughs> Let's get it straight. Um, just to specify. Just to say. But, yeah, so that's the story of Madame LaLaurie and the crazy fucked up shit she did. And I was like, uh, oh, this is, like, one of my favorite cases. Yeah. Because it's, it's so fucked up. Very crazy and fucked up. Right? It's not, like, scary. It's just, like... It's disgusting and barbaric. Yes, it's disgusting, barbaric, and really, like, mid to late 1800s did not happen that long ago. And to think that, like, slavery was still a huge, a common thing. It was daily life. Not that long ago. Right. It just, yeah... It, it blows my mind that that is technically that's like modern history. This all happening is like fairly modern history. Oh, for sure. It, it definitely is. I mean, our our country comparatively to, you know, European countries even or Asian countries, we're like a super, super young country. So, yeah, I mean, it'd yeah. be interesting to see what stories the locals have because, you know, local folklore is is always a little different yes. than what you would read uh, online or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I would be very... So I was supposed to go to New Orleans with my friend Sam, who listens to the podcast. Hi, Sam, love you. Um, so we had plans to go to New Orleans, um, but we decided not to go because of COVID and like nothing's really going to be open and we're not going to get the experience, the true experience that we want. Right. And it's like, let's be honest, it's fucking risky right now. Um, exactly, it won't be enjoyable. Yeah, but the LaLaurie Mansion was one of the very, very um, main things of the trip that I wanted to go and do. Because I believe you can tour it and visit the slave quarters. That would be interesting to see. I know. Could you imagine just like the vibes in there? Oh my god, I'd love to do like a haunted tour. I want to go, I want to see like the voodoo museum. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that that is like such a okay for a couple reasons one the creepy shit the voodoo stuff just the history that it has i want to visit new orleans the um cemeteries fucking beautiful right yes but they're like the uh, like above ground like um, yes tombs and things yeah but also the food (laughs) oh yeah definitely the food food is like a huge draw for me because i fucking love food yeah but yeah, so that's Madame LaLaurie. Wow. Yeah. That was um that was there was a lot to unpack there. I mean <laughs> a lot to unpack, yeah. That was 
That was pretty intense. Yeah. But, like, you know, who doesn't love a good gory story? Do you have oh, anything... Do you have anything gory or intense to tell us about the scariest or weirdest thing that's happened to me this week? So, this week, we have a story from an anonymous source. Uh, they state... Uh, so my wife and I had a house over on the east side of Michigan that I'm pretty sure was haunted as fuck. We'd be sitting there in dead silence, like not even outside noises, and suddenly our Alexa would say, sorry, I didn't get that. What the fuck? Which is what she says when you say something and she doesn't understand. It was bad enough at like 7pm, but it was way worse when it happened multiple times between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. <gasps> Hell no. No way, no, dude. No, 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 no. That's like the witching hours or yep. whatever. Yep, that's the, de- that's the devil's hour. Hell no. Yes. And it goes on to say, there was always just a kind of sense that you weren't ever alone there. One night, I wake up when I hear a noise. It's around midnight, probably around the time that I was expecting my wife back from work, maybe a little later. I glance up into the doorway and see someone walk through, silhouetted by the nightlight in the bathroom, just like a black shadow. I roll over to make sure that I'm not in the middle of my bed and my wife is not already in bed sound asleep, but no one else was in the room. No closet big enough to hide in, no door that you could get out of the house that didn't make enough noise for me to hear it. It was the only time that I ever saw a shadow person. Um, I... I blame the knife that we brought from our first house with us for whatever reason. We uncovered it in the basement after we moved. Probably like a 12-inch blade that had the nastiest-looking serrated edge that I've ever seen. Like, no pattern at all. Just spikes and stuff everywhere. The hell? (laughs) Right? Never been able to find what it was or where it was from, but I can't imagine that... There was anything it could have done besides kill and do so painfully. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can just picture it in my mind right now. Presumably something Vietnamese, since there was an old Vietnamese couple that lived in the house before us. Okay. Possibly related, there was a whole whole lot of dog toys underneath the solid portion of the deck that I tore up when we, we moved in. Wouldn't that be fucking nuts if the shadow figure that he thought he saw was just a dog on its hind legs? <laughs> that would be scary. Like, okay, now I'm like hellhound. Right? <gasps> and that was the end of the email. He saw a hellhound. No. Dude, the time, the dog toys. Like, I'm half joking, but I'm half not. <laughs> okay, listener, I need more details on this shadow figure because let's see the email. I feel like I want to solve this. Okay, so in the email, he says that it was uh, glance up the doorway and see someone walk through silhouetted by the nightlight in the bathroom just like a black shadow. Uh, No one else is in the room. So, like, you couldn't see through it at all? I don't think so. Like, yeah, like it looked like a solid person. solid black shadow. Like a shadow figure. Yeah, like, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, that's, like, evil. And this 12-inch blade thing, like, I mean, maybe somebody made it, you know? like So, 
Sorry, I just burped. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Um, so, like, obviously, I think objects obviously like hold some some type of energy, some type of like they have their own presence, basically. Right. Um. So who knows? Who knows how old this knife is? Who knows if it belonged to that Vietnamese couple? I mean. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that they're an old Vietnamese couple lived in the house before them. Um, but yeah, super interesting, super creepy. I want to know if they've ever had anything else happened related to um, seeing a shadow figure like that. Um, yeah. And if uh, this person's um, wife has ever had anything happen or if anyone else has had anything happen that they know of in this house. That would be super interesting to find out. Yeah, it sure would. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the podcast for um, Halloween 2020. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you stayed safe during this um, Halloween. Wear your fucking mask. And feel free to send us any of your weird or scary stories. Perfect Stranglers Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear pretty much anything that you have to say. We want to hear it. We want to know. We want to know all about the weird um, you can also find us on social media at Perfect Stranglers or visit our website, perfectstranglers.com, and you can send us an email through there. Uh, also, we are on tons of different platforms now. So you can listen to us on Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, when you go on Apple Podcasts, by the way, please uh, give us a like rate and also subscribe to us on apple podcasts it helps us to get seen and and noticed by other people and please share us with your family and friends yes please 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 and thank you and uh we will see you next time thank you guys for listening bye guys Mm